Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host Sam from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. Joining me as always via video conference this week, it is Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Hello. You can say hi Tony, don't worry. I I give you that permission. I did so. We're not alone this week, Tony, are we? We're not alone because back, and I kind of hate saying this, but by popular demand, oh, it's Paul Wallace <laughs> from Supercars of London. Hello. I mean, it's just awful that people really enjoyed your last appearance on this podcast and you've had to come back because Tony and I were secretly hoping we'd never see you again. But anyway, here you are. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us from your isolation. Yeah, joining us from your isolation. It's very weird. It's a slightly different, uh, you know, vibe to when you were last on the podcast, what, probably a month and a half or two months ago when we were all very merrily in the new Behind the Glass studio. We're now obviously very isolated and separate and having to talk with the classic delay that BBC and Sky News are also experiencing experiencing during their interviews so yeah it, it makes it awkward but also enjoyable in its own way awkward silence is always great <laughs> and also it helps tony to let his brain start working because you know he, he needs a few seconds anyway so it benefits him well i'm at oh wait a minute i mean i'm actually surprised that you the only two youtubers not actually doing any work because the rest of your colleagues are carrying on like nothing's gone wrong <laughs> i know i feel like we're missing a trick everyone else is out there filming videos cracking on as per normal and uh, and we're the ones we're the idiots sitting at home trying to make videos about gaming <laughs> which which we, we should have known from our experience four years ago that doesn't really go down that well but anyway life life continues in one way or another and we'll we'll stay safe we'll stay inside and we'll get back at it as soon as we're told it's safe to do so um we're anyway. doing we're doing our bit we're doing our bit exactly and so those of you that are joining us here uh, on the youtube channel behind the glass youtube channel to watch us all uh, talk to each other via video conference uh, thank you for tuning in make sure to subscribe turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes uh, we are back to our usual upload sp- spot spot slot got a bit confused there uh, of monday evenings there was a bit of an issue whilst i was recovering from my concussion but we are back monday evenings new full episodes uh, and if you're listening on spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you might be listening uh, thank you again and make sure to keep following on whatever platform now the reason paul is joining us today is it is another manufacturer special and any of you who are familiar with supercars of london will probably have guessed already Uh, which manufacturer we are focusing in on. Because yes, it's the time that we discuss Lamborghini. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we're already dreading this. this. I'm so excited by this because I've been listening to your podcasts, both in isolation and obviously when you were going to the studio and you've been banging on about Ferrari and Porsche for far too long that it is an absolute pleasure 
to be here as the Lamborghini expert. <laughs> oh, God. I think we've already lost Tony. I think he went to sleep about four minutes ago. He hasn't said a word since we mentioned Lamborghini. Tony's I mean, at about gobs- four on order. I mean, I'm gobsmacked. I don't really know what to say. What I do know is, is that Lamborghini is so popular that, that uh, no one watches your channel. <laughs> I mean, Tony, we're in isolation. You don't have to be that cruel. Well, right. the Lamborghinis on the road, I guarantee everyone will be tuning in. I think this is already pretty chaotic. But anyway, we're going to give it a go. We are going to be talking, as I say, in depth today about Lamborghini, the brand, the cars, the image, the disaster, whatever you might want to call it. Um, uh, But also, before we do that, we are going to be reviewing the most popular Dream 5 Car Garage from last week. So we'll be back with you very, very shortly for this week's Lambo special. So yes, last week, uh, Tony and I basically discussed our dream five-car garage. Now, Paul, I think by coincidence, you tagged, was it just me or Tony as well, in a kind of like Instagram dream five-car garage on the same day that we were releasing the episode or recording the episode. It was really weird because there are so many challenges going around on social media with everyone inside. And I got tagged in this dream, dream five-car garage and it was like a really nice photo of five garages and I'd never seen it before. And I think I did challenge both of you because you were going to be doing something so different to my five cars. And then you messaged me very quickly going, this is so topical because our podcast goes live in about two hours talking exactly about this. (laughs) And I just couldn't believe the um, coincidence. It's like we planned it, but we actually didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Then what? There was a there was a slight difference though, but that was Dream Five Car Car Garage, whereas ours had categories. So had had my list would have been different if it wasn't categories. So right. uh, you know, ours, yeah. Ours I mean, I don't think anyone thought a Range Rover Sport diesel, as you claimed, was your actual dream car. <laughs> I, I, no. I enforced that category upon you. Um, but we did say in the episode that, that those who viewed or listened uh, could submit their Dream 5 car garage and we would kind of review it this week. And so that's what we're going to do because the most popular uh, choice has come from a guy called Bob Bobby. And if that's his real name, I feel that's a bit cruel by his parents. <laughs> Don't you, no, Bob Bobby? No, that that could be a film star name. I mean, that that's a porn that's star entertain- name. Yeah, that's an entertainment <laughs> business name. I'm Bob Bobby, and today in Chicago. Anyway, slightly slightly awkward if Bob Bobby's only thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bob. Or maybe I'm sorry to your parents. But anyway, uh, your your suggested or your Dream 5 Car Garage proved to be the most popular with behind-the-glass viewers and listeners. And so we're going to have a quick chat about it now. The funny thing is, and maybe this is going to be a point we're going to review again later in the episode, not one of his selections is a Lamborghini. (laughs) during the Lamborghini special. So, pause, oh, pause left. Pause gone. Okay, sorry. Paul! 
I'm back. I'm You're back. back. Okay. Well, you know, luckily, thank God, there are some Ferraris and Porsches. But anyway, let's dive straight into it. Um, we'll rattle through it relatively quickly, but I do want to know your guys' thoughts. So, for a daily driver, he went down the kind of same route that I did by picking. I picked the Bentley Continental GT. Uh, Tony picked a Golf R. Um, but Bob has gone with a 911 Turbo S. I'm pretty sure Tony, you can't argue with that. No, I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it. But like I said, I want it to be a little more understated. Uh, that was that was in in with my with my thinking, and same with the new RS6 as well. That was in there, but I just wanted something a little bit more understated. Your Balenciaga jumper is flashy enough. You didn't need a flashy car. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I mean, I just I just ooze money anyway, so I don't really need a car to get the buff. That fake gold Rolex does you plenty of plenty of favors. Um, Paul, now I know secretly, Paul, that you're a little bit of a fan. Well, of the nine nine two, but but how do you feel about a Turbo S? Turbo S is a great car. I've not really had that much experience behind the wheel of it, and the new nine nine two Turbo S is definitely a car that I'm interested in. Not necessarily to own, but I'm just intrigued by it. Um, but slightly impractical as a daily, wouldn't oh, we say? Oh, don't I mean, go down this say... argument. We, <laughs> this is what we went through last week. Who cares? I mean, who cares? <laughs> okay. Like, come on. Okay. I know their categories. <laughs> but, it's, you know, like, practical for what? What are you doing? Chopping down trees? Are you like, like, I can fit a whole IKEA shopping load into my mini Clubman. So, like, you'll be fine in a Turbo S. Let's not go down the practicality route. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sh- shut you down. <laughs> uh, now, for, for a family car... <laughs> He picked arguably the more practical but high-performance version of a Mercedes E63S wagon. Uh, I probably should have queued up somebody for thoughts there, shouldn't I? (laughs) I was like, guys, anyone? Anyone any thoughts on this? Paul, Paul, I'll come to you. Go on. E63S wagon. Are you a fan? We just don't want to talk over each other because of the delay. So we're just there nodding our heads, listening to you. I appreciate <laughs> so it. Funny. Thank you for thinking of my uh, production value. But at the same time, I need you to talk at some point. <laughs> what a car. The E63, currently I am shopping for a daily driver or in the process, teeing it up for a month or so. Same. And the E63 keeps coming up. Not necessarily the wagon because I don't have a family but I have so many memories of being out in Los Angeles and spending time with Parker's VF engineered E63. Adds so much power. It's got the dream two wheel drive, but also four wheel drive for the wet weather. It has so much tech as well that you can basically crawl through traffic with cruise control on and basically not drive it. It's got everything like that you'd want from a luxury car like a mercedes s-class but all of the performance of a super sports car as well so now tony choice tony i'm pretty sure you you feel about the e63 the same way you do about the m5 as you always bang on to me that they're a bit of a steal because they're expensive to begin with but they, they they come down pretty quick and then then you're a fan of them aren't you once they've hit their their big sort of initial depreciation yeah they're 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 a lot of money at 100 odd grand which is what they are list but yeah when they get to 60 I mean, they're a Swiss Army knife, aren't they? They literally do everything. They do every, They sound good. They're supercar fast for 10 minutes and then everything overeats because they're too heavy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but they, are, they, are, they do do everything. You put your kids in and your dog and you shop in. And they're a bit thirsty, both of them. But um, 
yeah, if we're talking dream car, who cares? Yeah, who cares? I, the only thing I would say is I think it's a bit big. When I had one for a few days last year when we were trying to work out uh, drive the world cars and it's just a bit big in the uk but it's a solid choice for a family car i think you know you've done well there bob um moving on to track car i i worry that people aren't going to be as kind to you as they have been on your first two choices uh you've gone with a vantage gt3 race car now i'm like hey go you like what a cool choice i don't know which era vantage you're talking about i think both are kind of winning i'm pretty sure uh, my mate jamie chadwick drove a vantage gt3 around uh, Nurburgring at some point and I remember her pictures of it looking just freaking mega so whether it's the new or the old one I don't think I care Tony I'm actually not going to come to you on this <laughs> Paul I'm going to safely come to you uh, just for a thumbs up or a thumbs down Is this is a track toy this was the category here would you like some vocals with the thumbs up? Because there you go. Yeah, thumbs up. Okay, that's all we need. Because I just, I'm worried we're going to dwell on this a bit too long. <laughs> um, so then moving on quickly, we've got the supercar category. Now, this is a quite a, an ingenious choice that we overlooked, Tony. The 812 Superfast. Now, we've both spoken before about how we're not massive front-engined Ferrari fans. But Paul and I actually drove the 812 Superfast for the first time together on the launch and i think we both were like it feels smaller and more nimble than it looks do you still like it paul you didn't really like it that much at the time did you um i thought it was a cool car mid-engine uh mid-engine oh, oh, front engine you know cars um, <laughs> um it's the looks for me i've never been won over by the looks i prefer the way the f12 looks whilst the a12 is more usable than the f12 i'd still go and buy an f12 and tony we haven't spoken about the 812 much before what are your thoughts on the 812 yeah they're a bit fussy looking um but i still think they look good and uh, when you when you think about big front engine v12 cars there was actually one car that me and you missed that we absolutely adore and that's the tdf and it was only it was only after when i come away from the list i thought oh no what have i done like i probably should have put the tdf in because that's one of my favorite cars and as well the lfa should have gone in there somewhere as well but i just didn't know where to put them all well two things firstly i mean talking about cars that we missed out i didn't include a challenge stradali i mean you can only no. imagine how many people reminded me of the fact i didn't pick a challenge stradali in my dream car garage but i kind of assumed that i'd be keeping the 360 so i didn't see necessarily a point in getting a cs as well um the lfa now i love the lfa but i actually wouldn't pick because if you've driven one tony yes I think it's a bit of a dog. I think it sounds amazing, but I, I think it's actually a bit like, I don't, I didn't love driving it. No, but nor did I, but that was the whole reason why, because everything else I had in my list all worked oh. and I probably should have, <laughs> should have picked something that maybe didn't work. And yeah. That, Cause you, you bond with stuff that don't work. Don't you more like, you know, like sometimes you can take the stuff that d does work all the time for granted a little bit. Well, and Paul, you know as well as me that the TDF is actually a killer. I mean, that's that's a car that wants to murder on an hourly basis. So I think it would be a pretty disastrous <laughs> choice. But but that's why I love it. And I think that's why you like it as well. Yeah, I said on Ollie Webb's Instagram Live that out of all of the YouTuber cars, past, present, that James's TDF is the car that I'd have 
on my driveway purely for that reason that it literally wants to kill you every single time you sit behind the steering wheel. Pretty damn exhilarating. And speaking of yeah. cars that want to kill you, Bob's last choice for the hypercar section, McLaren P1. There's another car that is just, just waiting to absolutely throw you into a tree, as I'm sure I think all of us have experienced at some point. Tony, you've, you've been in a P1, right? Uh, no, I've Aha! been in the other two. I've not been in the P1. We have something over you. <laughs> yeah. You love glowing. Oh, yeah, no, I had to go on that. Oh, yeah, you used to own one of them. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I haven't been in the P1 because I didn't have a fire suit. So, uh, yeah. I'm not- <laughs> Surprising as such a McLaren fan. But, but all in all, because we have dwelled on this a little bit too long, I think it's, I can understand why Bob's choice has got so many likes, don't you? I mean, that's a pretty solid five-car lineup from the 911 Turbo S, E63S wagon, a Vantage track car, um, the McLaren P1, and an 812 Superfast. You're not, you're not going wrong with that lot, guys. You're not going wrong. You're not going wrong. The only thing I'd say, they're all a bit samey. They're all a bit supercar-y, samey. You know, there's no variety in there, Bob, but... I mean, it's a good choice and I can't knock you for it, but um, yeah, um, it's a bit too samey for me. Well, maybe... Those five cars... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. I was just going to say, those five cars have actually made me forget about all of the Lamborghinis. I was like, that's a great choice. Yeah, well, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> but that, that's what I was going to segue into. I was like, well, maybe his point of differentiation should have been a Lamborghini. Because yes, that is our episode today. Our special is looking at Lamborghini uh, as a manufacturer. Uh, And now we sort of had to bring Paul in here because he is YouTube's resident Lambo obsessive as much as Tony and I, well, I bang on about Ferrari and Tony bangs on about Porsche. Um, Paul is the go-to Lambo man. I think you probably have been ever since you started your channel and, and definitely over the last four years or something like that. I think people are fully aware of your Lamborghini obsession. However, you have also had a bit of a checkered past with them. Let's let's be honest. Uh, and they come and go from your channel and your garage. Um, and so we're going to get into that. But I think let's kick things off with the sort of early stories. Where did your Lambo story begin? Like, when did you first become aware of them? When did you decide, I am a Lambo guy? Um, so it actually was the first road supercar that I ever laid my eyes on. I got given a book about supercars for Christmas and I opened the page and saw a Murcielago in it. And that was the first time I saw a road car that looked like a UFO. So my passion for Lambos almost started before my passion for cars. So that's why the Murcielago has always been a dream car of mine. And then when I went into London for the first time, it was Lambos that always got my heart racing. They were the ones that were screaming around the streets, mainly because they were being driven by lunatics and the Ferraris were cruising past and with a classy owner waving at everyone. The Porsches just cruised by in complete silence. And it was the Lambos that gave me the thrill, even from the pavement. I was going to say sidewalk there, but I'm not in America. Um, (laughs) So it was literally Lambos right from the beginning, giving me that uh, heart racing feeling that is exactly the same when you're behind the wheel of one. Well, that's what I was going to come to. I mean, I guess, do you remember then your first experience in a Lamborghini? Because I'm assuming it wasn't behind the wheel. And then I suppose the first time you did actually drive one. 
the first time I experienced a Lambo was the first time I ever went in a supercar. So prior to this experience, I literally only ever gone in like my mum's car, my dad's car or my like friends and family's car. So it literally blew me away. I felt like I was on a roller coaster. I was, I was in a left-hand drive Gallardo. And so I was on the right-hand side in central London, absolutely terrified, but could not believe the way that a car could take off because I'd never experienced an acceleration like it. So that was my first experience in a Lamborghini. And I'm pretty sure the first time I ever drove one, I drove an LP560 Spider rental car, I think was the first time I ever, no, 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 sorry. I got a, a Gallardo experience to drive one around a track for my 18th birthday. That was the first time. So the same car, same five liter early Gallardo, um, e-gear was the one that i drove on track now tony is it just me or is this a sort of very lambo nerd thing that if you're if you're a casual lamborghini enjoyer you go oh look it's a gallardo or it's a super Leggero, or there's an aventador if you're a lambo obsessive or owner that's when you dial in the oh it's an lp78652 that's a oh no that's the dash one. Oh no that's the dash 17 uh, tony do you ever use the designated lp numbers to talk about lamborghinis no. No, no. I normally refer to them as piles of shit. That's what I normally do. I don't normally put the bits on the end. We are going to come back to the fact you have owned one of those piles of shit. So, so let's not, you know, don't dig yourself too well, big a hole because you know you're a fan of doing that. No. <laughs> but yeah. The, the, um, the, um, the Purple Manti was the first and last one I will ever own. And it is the best car they've ever made. Well, well, save it, save it, because we're going to come back to that. What I want to ask <laughs> you is, is you know, I guess your Lambo story then, if we've heard Paul's kind of love affair beginning, you know, we've spoken previously on the Ferrari special about where that love story began. When did you first kind of become aware of Lambo? And then what was your, what was your first experience of one, either driving one or being in one? Me? Yeah, you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Oh, me. Um, well, well, I wasn't going to ask I mean, Paul again. We just done that. <laughs> oh, were you listening? I mean, I, I, not really. He's I mean, thinking about Lambos. It's just, oh yeah. my god, that Perfomento is such a good card. We own. lost him for a second. Oh, he goes, "Oh, I miss I'm it. Fi- I wish I hadn't sold it for a hundred grand after what I paid after it." <laughs> uh, that that was at least. I, was, I went quiet because I actually thought about Lambos and was lost for words, which don't happen about me very often. No. Um. No, I guess I always appreciated to look at them. And obviously as a kid, you know, obviously the, I was at the Kuntash when I was a kid. And then was it the Diablo? The Probably the mirror when you were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were tractors when you were a kid. <laughs> Kuntash yeah, I mean, and then I Diablo. Mean, oh, sorry about that. That was, Diablo. there goes my, uh, my WhatsApp again. Let's close that. Cause this happened a few weeks ago and it was you, Paul, that was to blame. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, so, like, let, let's get rid of that. Okay. And he kept texting as well. We're telling him to go away. He kept, coming. kept texting. You're back in the room. Sorry. So go on, Tony. You, you, you did like the Kuntash, maybe the Diablo. You can't quite remember because you probably didn't care, but you were kind of aware of the cars. I was aware of them. Yeah. And then, uh, do you know what? I can't remember the first Lamborghini I ever went in. I think it was a Gallardo, but it obviously didn't leave a lasting impression on me because I wasn't obviously that bothered because I probably got in it. And even back then when I couldn't afford it, I probably got in it and thought, what is this thing? (laughs) Which is what you still say today. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, it's a weird one because I'm a bit the same as you. I don't really remember when I, when I kind of first experienced one or noticed one. I think like, I do remember, obviously, Top Gear. I'm sure Top Gear would have played a big part in it. But then also, quite embarrassingly, a, a Hollywood or an American TV show called 90210, but the remake, which was probably not as good, but and was a bit cheesy, and maybe I shouldn't admit to be watching, but one of the guys had, I think, a guy, a yellow Gallardo spider. And I was just like, damn, he's cool. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I think the Gallardo must have been really my kind of moment of going like, oh, okay, that's, that's Lamborghini. I definitely don't remember being aware of much before then. Uh, even though I did look the other day and at home I've got a model Diablo so I don't know one like that I don't know when I got that but I got a model silver Diablo at home um, and then really my first experience of, of any Lambo was was with you Paul I guess unless I'm forgetting a previous memory I think jumping into your Gallardo was my first ever Lamborghini experience because I was so shocked by how like long the windscreen was. I was like, this can't be, this can't be a car. Like, how is this a car? Um, and then obviously it was so loud and the gearbox was so bad. Um, but, uh, but then since then, uh, I have been lucky enough to drive a few, um, kind of a lot of the special ones. I haven't driven too many doggy doggy lambos in general actually i've been spoiled with things like aventador svs and and balboni edition gallardos and things like that so um my appreciation over the years has grown but my understanding has also grown um so let's get into ownership for a second i know tony already teased his story i don't think you've got much else to say do you tony <laughs> you bought the purple manto <laughs> you kind of liked it you sold it and you're not going to buy one again yeah i bought the purple manti. I liked it because I wanted to get involved with the brand. 
I lost over a hundred grand and thought I'm not doing that again. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but before you get too lippy, you did love that car. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I like. Be honest. No, wait. Just wait. It was a very, very good car. It was, and like I always say now, for the money, I'm not sure you can get a better car than the Purple Manti as a, as a used car now. However, I don't miss that car. I don't miss it. So as good as it was, like maybe it was too good and maybe it's not as special as some of the other cars because it was too Audi or, you know, I don't know, but I definitely don't miss it and I wouldn't have another one. You know, you know, if I sold, well, you know how many 488s I've had. True. Because I miss them, I buy another one. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I like them. It's like if I buy a Porsche, and I sell it, I'll buy another one. Like, I just won't buy another purple Manti. I just don't miss it. Paul, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to go in on a bet here with you against Tony that he will one day buy a Lamborghini because <laughs> I think he's wrong. I think a car will come along, uh, you know, at some point in the future. I just think you're mad to say you'll never buy another Lambo because it, as much as we might not love them like Paul does, they are arguably the second or third or, or within the world's top five supercar manufacturers and and we'll get into whether they're going to be around forever but i just think that they'll keep making cars that are contenders and i will never write off potentially owning one and i think you're naive to say that you will never buy one again just because you lost 100 well, grand well that, that's not just because i lost 100 grand it's because as well i don't miss it i don't miss it as a car yeah. And don't forget, Lamborghini aren't a supercar maker anymore. They're an SUV maker now. So a Porsche, so, mate. <laughs> and as we know, Ferrari will be soon too with the Songyang, whatever we called it. Um, but yeah, Paul, let's come over to you. Now, I, I sort of touched on it briefly because your ownership experience has been a little bit more checkered than your, your sort of declarations of love. And it feels like to me that maybe the actual reality of owning a Lamborghini hasn't always lived up to the way that they appear as they drive past you on Sloan street. <laughs> is, is there any fairness in that? Oh, 100%, 100%. <laughs> um, I think the best way to describe Lamborghini is it's unique. Um, I think with Porsche, Ferrari and McLaren that build incredible sports cars that are precision track missiles, the way that I sort of differentiate those cars versus a Lamborghini is imagine being a sniper and making a shot from two miles away. You're just sort of pinpoint and you've made the shot and it's the most satisfying thing in the entire world. A Lamborghini, on the other hand, is walking into that room with a sledgehammer and just smashing the entire place up. <laughs> it's actually it's quite, kind a good, of, it's quite a good analogy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, as satisfying, to some people probably more satisfying, you've got to be a totally different person to enjoy the Ferrari, the McLaren and the Porsche versus a Lamborghini. And don't get me wrong, seeing a Lamborghini drive past you at 100 mile an hour, the sound, the feeling that you get is like, you'll remember it forever. But when you're behind the wheel of it, you realize that the car has so many imperfections and it's not how you imagine how cool you are 
from the side of the road thinking about being the driver fly, flying past when you're actually behind the wheel of it you have to deal with those imperfections and the Gallardo had many imperfections it was a great car but still fundamentally a sledgehammer smashing through a building and the Murcielago is very very similar to the Gallardo but just times 100 whereas the Hurricane is so much more Audi and so much more trying to create a precision mosquito that when I owned the Hurricane, it was a great car. I could use it every day. And in Strada mode, it became as easy to drive as an Audi A3. But then when you put it in Corsa mode, you did feel that Lamborghini factor. But I think obviously the Performante is a great car and that's what Lamborghini are trying to do. They're trying to keep up with Porsche, Ferrari and McLaren when actually when you jump in their mid-engine V12s with the single-clutch gearbox, they're nowhere near the same lap times as all of the other cars, but it's a different sense of thrill and excitement that you get from it that substitutes being able to drive quick around a track. That's actually an interesting point because the other day when I did that uh, Lago SV against the 509 GTO drive, the, the gearbox... And, and just everything about it, actually, just put the gearbox aside for a second because it was different generations. Sure. But but it, it proved that at that time, Ferrari was so much more advanced in so many ways. And whilst you could say, okay, fine, it's a front-engine Grand Tour with the 599 and the GTO, um, and the Mercy is something completely different. I think that's kind of like always being the sort of point that, that Lambo stand out, maybe not always for the right reasons or the good reasons, but they are something different. So why, for example, I mean, I know that you loved Lambo and that's why you kind of wanted to own one, but, but why have you always picked a Lambo instead of some of the other options? Because especially after the Gallardo, you kind of knew what hell you were letting yourself in for, <laughs> especially with the Mercy Lago. I think Tony and I tried to tell you about 15 times, like, are you sure you want to do this? You're like, yes, yes. And about two weeks in, you were like, um. <laughs> I begged him. I begged him not to buy that car. You actually you text actually me. You text me saying, please also beg him. Like we have to, <laughs> we have to beg him together to not buy that car. But, but did you, you know, because I did already ask the kind of question, but, but why, why was it that, you know, I would have thought, for example, from that first Gallardo you bought, that was kind of it. You were then stuck. Like you maybe wouldn't even have sold that car. The Huracan I kind of get, maybe it was, it was a stretch and it was a little bit dialed out, but then the Murcielago as well. It's like, it's like the sort of the idea in your head, at least in a lot of people's heads is, is it something different? It's not a driving experience. It's something more with Lambo. What, what is that kind of more? Cause you've talked about what's negative. What are those positives that you, that make you go out and buy them again and again? Ah, <laughs> oh, that is, it's hard to put into words or at least uh, explain a tangible feeling around owning a Lamborghini. Um, but I think it probably circles back to what Tony was saying about why he keeps buying the 488 after selling one. It's like something, it's like a drug and you miss it. And I sold the Gallardo for a number of reasons. One of them being I was terrified of the up and coming running costs because the clutch was going to um, need to be replaced. So I went into the AMG GTS, which again is like a very imperfect car in the way that it's fundamentally a, a European muscle car. So it goes around corners slightly better than the American versions, but it doesn't really want to go in a straight line. It's got a massive long nose. The interior is very nice, but 
there was something missing in that car that I then tried to recreate by tuning it with Rentec that even after doing that, I realized that there was something missing in my automotive life, which was having a Lamborghini (laughs) and going into the hurricane. I think I was more excited about the prospect of buying a new car for the first time, but also uh, buying a rear wheel drive version of a Lamborghini. I was hoping that it was going to keep me on my toes a little bit more than a four wheel drive car did. And whilst it was a great car, super easy to drive, but again, a lot of fun. I sold that so that I could buy the place that is around me. So it was kind of a growing up adult decision to sell the car, to free up the cash, to get a mortgage. And then as soon as that whole thing settled down, I went straight back to VVS and bought a Mercia Largo. And you guys literally both begged me not to buy one. But there was just something in me that was saying that it was the right time to buy my dream car, which of course... um, is a terrible decision on so many <laughs> levels. <laughs> but, but having loved- having now driven that Mercy SV, I kind of understand it more than I did at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it is totally unique in the automotive world that car, um, and it is the perfect balance of. I mean, I wouldn't want to go too old to Diablo, but I wouldn't want to go too new to the Aventador. It, for me, it is like the perfect balance of a completely analog car that has almost zero computers keeping you on the road, um, but still feels like a car from this century, if that makes sense. Now, well, it's the only it's the only car that I've ever been, been in where you sit in the passenger seat to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to butt in there before Tony went in on you because I know he's been waiting. He's been waiting all episode just to bait you on the Mercy Largo. But Tony, I'll let you go in. Go in on him on another way because if you were to say that Ferrari owners, the cliched Ferrari owner, wears his his jumper or his sweatshirt over his shoulders and his sunglasses and his maybe his girlfriend with fake boobs and blonde hair and drives around the south of France, and then maybe the stereotypical Porsche owner. I don't know what, wears driving gloves and spends their life around the back of Silverstone. What would you kind of say? Like, is there a stereotypical Lambo owner and, and is Paul it? <laughs> um, well, yeah, Paul is obviously it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you could really diverse from the men and the women about Lamborghini. They all look the same, I think. They've got tattoos <laughs> and love, love and hate. And I mean, I wouldn't want to pick a fight with the mess for sure. <laughs> Okay, well, aside from maybe the you visuals, just yeah, you literally just did by going in on the way people look. Uh, what, what, how I read it, which maybe this is overly harsh, but I feel like a lot of a lot of Lamborghini owners, not all of them, it is about buying the sensation and the image more than the the driving experience, and that's where I think I think that's what Lamborghinis sell. It's this idea of success, of status. Uh, uh, turning up to that club, obviously with the doors that open the way that they do, that usually the soundtrack that maybe Ferrari and Porsche don't give you. And I actually use Yanomai's, Yanni here as an example. I remember when he tried to switch, I think, was it from an Aventador to a 488? Um, or at least, you know, he, I remember he went into a 488 for a bit and he just said like, it just <coughs> doesn't do it for me. Whilst obviously Tony and I would sell our, you know, well, he has sold his left nut multiple times to get back into 488 um because that's the kind of car that we want to take onto a mountain road and thrash while i feel like lambo owners traditionally aren't necessarily about the curvy tracked mountain road but more about casino square 
Sloan Street. And I'm sure, Paul, you'll dispute that. But I think there is something, <laughs> there is something in that stereotype. Uh, I, won't, I won't dispute it. I think that Lambos attract a quite a rock star image. Uh, like, I think you'd probably associate a Lamborghini with rappers, professional footballers, that kind of um, money. Whereas a Ferrari or a Porsche is more of a um, older money, maybe a little bit more, what's the word? Professional. Like a banker or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of... Um, that kind of... A bit of more reserved. If, if we were to, if we were to generalise, and there's a reason why Ferrari is hands down the most popular car in Monaco, it's because that's where those type of people go. You always see Ferrari when you drive around Monaco because it's got this slick back, silver hair, jumper over the shoulder, exactly how you described it. And I don't want to generalize the ownerships of these cars, but that's kind of the way that I see it. Um, and I know that my car isn't going to go around a racetrack faster than the 599 GTO. And I definitely knew that my Hurricane wasn't going to be faster than the 488. Um, I don't really have an answer as to why I because actually to look at and to hear the Lambo as opposed to actually driving it are two totally different things. And I definitely probably didn't enjoy driving the Gallardo as much as I was expecting to because of what it was. And the AMG GTS, I probably enjoyed driving more because 98% of the time I drive is in automatic mode, probably on the M25 which is where the Gallardo and the Murcielago are totally useless. So it is really designed for a specific type of road. Um, and they're just rare to find in the UK, which is why I tended to go to Europe to drive the cars. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, I worry that we, we, you know, we've been attacking you a little bit for the last 20 minutes or so. So I want Tony and I to try and be as positive as we can be, because I will come out and say it that I do like Lambo, like, and I, I do like them a lot more than I did. Over the last 18 months or so, my eyes have been opened slightly to the sort of Lamborghini idea or dream. Um, and I think that's because of multiple different factors. But I like that they represent a point of difference. And I really like that today, as everything becomes more bland, more dialed back, lacking avoiding character lambo is still going out there and creating cars that are shouty that don't really work that are uncomfortable that are you know that that have their issues and that gives them some form of character now i think i mentioned earlier that i've been spoiled and driven some pretty special lambos and one of my favorite memories ever was paul when we took uh, that aventador sv on the on the route above monaco and that was my first time driving uh, i think it was an aventador in general but also of course an sv and i was absolutely blown away and it was like a roller coaster and and i think my reaction in the video said it all because it was kind of happening live and it was like a one take and i just was so shocked and amused and amazed by this kind of thing that i was driving and i've had that experience now three or four times since as i say mercilago sv gallardo, gallardo balboni and tony i know you're hesitant but there must have been the odd occasion when you've seen or been in a lambo for a brief period of time whether it's a thrash on a mountain road or something, and gone 
this is cool or that looks cool or that does sound good. There have to be those positives because they're iconic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was lots of times when I was driving my car where I thought, this is so good, this car. When I was out on in Europe, in, in the mountains, in the Alps and wherever, there was so many times that I, I would think I wouldn't want to be in another car at the moment on this particular road. And as well, I think the general public, you know, the general Joe in the in the street, I actually think they prefer the Lamborghini brand more than they do the Ferrari brand, if agreed. I'm honest. Totally agree. I think, for, I, I, I think Ferrari, I think as uh, a bit of a stigma attached to it where, oh, a bit stuck up or, yeah, this daddy's money or you're a solicitor or you're a banker or something like that. Whereas, whereas Lamborghini is kind of, self-made people that um have kind of it, it's been their poster car and their dream since they was a kid a bit like you paul and have managed to to rake some money together and get one um and, and there isn't the politics in lamborghini like there is in ferrari as well it's a lot easier to buy a lamborghini they don't necessarily make you buy 10 not that anyone would but they don't make you buy 10 to get the car that you want essentially so it's an easier way into a, to a supercar brand than Ferrari for sure. So is there something in the fact that, that they're kind of at their best and Paul, you did touch on this with your experiences on the M25 in kind of, <laughs> in kind of short bursts. And so if that's the case, because my Lago SV experience was the dream experience. I literally picked it up from a dealership, took it to a sort of relatively empty country road, thrashed it, and then dropped it back. And that's why I can't stop thinking about it and I obsess over it so much. If I then had to drive it three hours home, I probably would have cried. Um, <laughs> but, but, but if that's the case, are they kind of almost the ultimate supercar in that sense? Because, Tony, how often do we bemoan the fact that modern supercars are too easy to drive, too easy to live with, too sensible, where as Lambo, you could never really argue that. Even if you get into a hurricane, me being someone over six foot, it's still unbearably uncomfortable. My back aches and it seems sort of narrow and I can't really see out of it and it's loud and it crackles. And so it's still an event and it's still awful at the same time. But then therefore you kind of only use it when you can thrash it and it's something special rather than maybe a slightly dull Portofino or 911 Carrera S. Yeah, I mean, Lamborghini had to make the Hurricane, obviously, and they had to make it sensible. But because they're Lamborghini, they've got to do something stupid, like if you're over six foot, you can't get in it. I mean, they can't, <laughs> they, they can't make a... It's not them. It isn't what they do, and that is why people like them. The thing is with supercars now is that the market is so competitive that every supercar really is perfect. No one makes a bad car anymore, really, even the two brands that I don't like. You know, they, they make cars that work some of the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, like in terms of engineering, no one makes a bad car anymore. But Lamborghini still try to put these little niggling bits in where nuances get, I think is the word you're you, looking for you, nuance yeah yeah you can't get you know you can't get a pencil case in the boot I mean if you're going to Europe <laughs> in in a Lamborghini with your friend or your missus I mean you're better off getting she's got to get a train she can't come with you <laughs> there's, there's no room for your luggage I mean it would frustrate me so much when I was away in my car I mean 
that, that, whereas a Ferrari or a Porsche or even a McLaren and an Aston, like they think there's a bit more thought gone in. Um, so as well, Lamborghinis are so good to drive now in terms of the mechanical bits because they're designed by Audi and they probably let Lamborghini do the odd little thing and they cock it up, the Italians. <laughs> but maybe on purpose. Maybe they see this as their opportunity to go like, everything else out there is bland and boring. We're going to make this guy impractical and fantastic. And, and I'll ask the same question to you, Paul, but I kind of know your answer. Is, do you think that makes Lambo the last remaining true <clears throat> supercar brand that hasn't dulled itself down, that hasn't ended up with 15 different models because that's something else we've banged on about. McLaren, Ferrari, Porsche have so many different models. Whilst if you look at Lambo, whilst they have variations, it is just Eventsdor, Hurricane and Urus. I haven't forgotten anything, have I? No, no, no. Bang on. Product knowledge on point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when the, the ultimate era in my eyes for a supercar is when it was right at the end of single clutch F1 paddles before double clutch, because double clutch definitely took away character from a car. And now what we're seeing, like Tony said, mechanically and engineering technologically, these cars are almost perfect. And what I love in Lambo is they're able to still make it feel like it has a personality or it has a character. And I made a, a comment in one of my videos when I was driving my Mercy Lago is this is so much a supercar because you have to really think about when you're going to enjoy it. You can't just drive it down to the shops to pick up a pint of milk. It's not that sort of car. Whereas all of these cars now for a McLaren 570S, you can literally drive it to Tesco's, have no fuss whatsoever, go and get your milk and then drive home. But that's not what a supercar is built for doing 100% of the time, you want to be enjoying it and ringing the engine out. And that's exactly what the Mercy Lago does. I only ever drove it point A to point A. It was just one big loop to come back home, but I only drove it to enjoy it rather than actually use it as a car. Um, so Lamborghini do that very well, but then they also try and tailor to the people that still want a usable car with the Hurricane and the Urus but they still are able to create imperfections and a bit of character and personality into them so that you can still feel like you're driving a Lamborghini. And I remember listening to your podcast about the Urus and Tony's analogy on the Urus was perfect. It's like a beefed up Audi with a Lamborghini personality wrapped around the edge. So that's what Lamborghini is so good at doing. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I, th I think that's exactly it. And, and that's why in my mind, you know, whatever you might think about them. And, and I don't tend to, to look at Lamborghinis as something that I desperately want to buy, apart from, of course, the Mark I Superleggera. <laughs> uh, and a Merchelago SV. Um, but, but, but I do think in this day and age, they are standing out there on a kind of uh, a plinth by themselves, at, at creating what we all think of as a supercar. And maybe if you're growing up today, your thoughts of what a supercar is or should be are different. And maybe if you were the Countach or the Diablo generation, you think the cars that we're talking about are massively dialed down as well. But I suppose the, the, the question for all of these manufacturers, but especially Lamborghini, as we continue to enter this kind of eco-friendly world of you know, uh, emissions regulations and uh, exhaust compliance rules and all these different elements, what does the future hold for Lambo? Because 
arguably without the V12, who or what are they? I don't know if I necessarily share that feeling, but Paul, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. And then Tony, are they going to die if they refuse to conform like these other manufacturers? Or is that really their best hope at staying alive to fight the fight as long as they possibly can by not conforming and dulling down like the other manufacturers? So, so Tony, I'll come to you first with that. What should Lambo do? Stay out there doing their thing or are they going to have to conform? Well, the first thing they've got to do is make less cars for a start because there's not the customer out there for them. So that's the first big problem they've got because they should because that is what they used to do, Lamborghini, by the way. They would only make cars to order. Um, but they're not then they, they don't do that now. They just absolutely churn cars out and uh they're they devaluing the, the, the brand. Um there will always be a customer for the Lamborghini and, and in and all the time it wears that badge, I think it will always be slightly different to any other car because they, or even though they are modern and up-to-date now and just as good as any other car, by the way, in terms of if that's what you're looking for in a car, but there's still them imperfections that we've all been speaking about. So I think they can probably carry on the way that, that, that they are um, because they already make a good car. Like I said, no manufacturer makes a bad car now. I mean, the Aventador, to be honest, to drive is a bad car. It's 15 years old, essentially, underneath. And they've been asking that money for them cars now. I mean, look at look at SVJs. I mean, they're taking the piss with them, really, asking 400-odd grand for a car, really, technically, okay, has it got all the big wings and all the, all the stuff, but technically the same car that you can get for 150 grand. So as in, the, the, you know, a Mark I Aventador. So, yeah, they need to dial that out straight away. I would still argue, though, that an Aventador is probably the poster car supercar for the last 10 years. And we experience it on YouTube. You put Aventador in the title or thumbnail, and that video will perform better than almost any other car. So it's still the king, but it obviously has the iconic engine and the iconic sound, Paul. So, so what would it mean if Lambo had to ditch the V12? Is that a nail in the coffin or I, I, for me, I don't care, but as you as a Lambo fan, would that, would that kill it off for you? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it would be one nail in the coffin. I wouldn't necessarily say that it would put them in the ground. The V12 in the Lambos, everything up to the Murcielago SV was bored out from the four liter, I think in the Mura. So <laughs> That's that good engine. Effort. You can see where McLaren got lit- their strategy from, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the 6.5 litre V12 in the Aventador is a totally different um, engine, completely different. Um, so for all of that engineering and development to go into that engine for them to only use it in one model, I think that there's a lot of friction between Audi and Porsche and the VW group and Lamborghini because they still want to produce a V12 and obviously everything is conforming to downsizing turbos, hybrid systems, electric that Lamborghini still believe that a lot of their soul is in those engines, the V10s and the V12s. So I definitely think we'll see them attach hybrid systems to their engines before we see electric or anything like that. And I do know that Lamborghini are working on the quirkiest ways possible of making sure that they can conform to all of the regulations, which they're going to have to do anyway, but still keeping it Lambo. 
So I don't think that anything's going to change. I do think Lamborghini will still remain very much Lambo, but it will just be a different generation in the same way that we all remember the Ferraris and the Enzos, the Scuderias with the single clutch. And then as soon as the 458 came out, it almost transformed the entire product range into a completely different generation of car. So I just think we'll experience that with Lambo. They'll still carry on creating their quirky, crazy designs. We've all seen the concepts of everything that they're considering for the 2025 and everything onwards. So I'm not really worried at all. And I will still always desire whatever the new Lamborghini is coming out. And even though like, a generation one of Entenoy is an, is an awful car to drive. I still want one. <laughs> of course you do. I, I, I would expect no less. Um, well, look, it's a good way to round things off by saying that if, and Tony, you have no way but to choose something, we had to go out tomorrow and buy a Lamborghini. Cost, no option. Running cost, no option, nothing. You've got to put, pick one Lambo to buy. What would it be? I will kick things off to kind of make it easy. Um, I'm going to go with the Mercialago SV because uh, I haven't actually driven a Mark One Superleggero yet. That's the thing I'm lusting after. But but that Mercialago SV experience was so eye-opening and enthralling and exciting and everything I look for out of a supercar that I just want to experience it again. And so by buying a car, even if I hate it after the first time of doing it again, I would have done it again and I would be happy. So yeah, Mercialago SV is my choice. Paul going to come to you last. So Tony, you've got to pick something, mate. And I'm actually going to put a, I'm going to, I'm going to say you can't pick your Performante. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, that is what I was going to say. It was too easy. It was too easy. You've got to pick something else. Come on. There must be another Lambo out there. One that you've looked you at and it. gone. Tony nearly bought an Aventador S. <gasps> he did. I remember that. <laughs> so, oh my god up, thank tony. you for bringing that back up <laughs> little lambo fanboy over there i mean tony sometimes you just chat hot air don't you no i said i didn't nearly buy you one. so nearly, nearly did, did. <laughs> nearly nearly buying one is going into the showroom and negotiating a deal and then saying mate you haven't oh, been in a showroom for 10 years you do everything over the phone let's face it you were sending us whatsapp <laughs> pics of the exact car yeah, but and it was a convertible as well as a roadster. Um, but I'm so glad you brought this up, Paul. <laughs> you totally no, stumped no, him. No, 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 no. Because if I want, because if I really wanted one, I mean, there's so many cars that we all, us lot, all talk about, and we never actually go through. I mean, every ten minutes, you boys send me, oh, oh god, I want one of these. At no point, we don't Sam, ever negotiate it, though, do we? No, 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 but nor have I. I, I. You know, if I wanted to go and buy an Aventador, I'd buy one. I don't want one. Okay. It was just like a, like a, a, moment. a thought, essentially. Yeah, it was a moment where I sure. thought, do you know what? And you know what? I was probably on um, a trip in Europe somewhere and one of my pals had one and I and I've listened to it for 15 minutes. And then I drove, I drove, well, I told you I drove an SV for a long period of time in Europe last year. And I couldn't wait to get out of the thing. One of them <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of it. Um, oh so if I've got to pick one car, I'd pick that um, that Trofeo thing. The, the track Trofeo. only one? Or the yeah. Gallardo? No, no, no. The, the, um, the race Gallardo. car. Gallardo. Oh, the race no, car. No, no. The, if if it could be anything, money, no object, I'll have one. What's that GT3 race car thing that they have? Oh uh, yeah, the Hurricane um, Super Trofeo. Hurricane Super Trofeo. 
stare that thing. Yeah, that'll do. One of what them. a weird choice. Tony, the, the car you want is the one that's coming out. That's the one you want. Because well, I'm yeah, pretty sure a, that they might fine. put the Super Trofeo name to that. But from what I've heard, it's it's GT2 RS destroying, <gasps> rear-wheel drive, roll cage, roof scoop, <gasps> mega aero. Tony, get onto your Lambo I, dealer, quick. He'll probably still remember I've, you from all those conversations oh, you had. <laughs> I've heard I've heard this as well. The problem is, is that you could have one all you like, but it'd be too loud to go on any UK tracks because that was exactly the same with the Purple Manti. So, um, what's the, the dream? Point? Yeah, you, don't, you buy the track. Yeah, you buy you the just, track. You're so rich, mate. Cancel no. the noise regulations. No, no, well, no, I just... Do you drive on track there, Tony? You're not really good on track, are you? No. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I'm better on Gran Turismo. <laughs> Paul, don't get Tony started on that. Um, <laughs> Paul, I'm bringing, I'm bringing you in now. Go on, one car, uh, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to exclude all the Lambos you previously owned. Oh, so, so I was going to say Urus so that I could have it alongside my Murcielago <laughs> and then I could have a Lambo driveway. That was not the question. <laughs> um, okay, it's a toss-up between pick one. Mercy SV. <laughs> I'm going to say Aventador SV only because I've had a Murcielago. I've got a Murcielago. And it's about 15 to 20% more hardcore, raw, lighter than mine. But the Aventador SV, I think, still screams, looks amazing, is probably the most iconic Aventador. It's the rarest Aventador. Actually, no, the Aventador S is the rarest Aventador. But they've made too many SVJs. And as great as that car is, I think the SV is still that sledgehammer Lamborghini you need two hands on the wheel all of the time the SVJ you can do the steering with one finger it's almost too easy to drive even though the car's so big I'd go Aventador SV purely for that reason that you need to hold on for dear life when you're going to floor it fair play okay well look I think that's a good place to to close things off it's been uh it's been interesting it's been insightful I mean oh oh, he's got oh god go on then Tony Uh, I've I've remembered a car yeah. The Urus. I like uh, the Urus. Of course you will. <laughs> the least Lamborghini out of all of them. Well done, yeah, sir. Yeah, that'll do. Well that's done, that's sir. That's what I'll have. Well, that's what I'll You're going to have to sell that event store you put a deposit down for first. But um, anyway, we're going to close things off because we've gone well over our allocated time. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. Paul, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Sorry if we attacked you a little bit at the beginning, but I think we were we were just, you know, well, we wanted to. Um, but we came round at the end. <laughs> Came around at the end and enjoyed having a bit of a chat about Lambo. And uh, as I say, if you're watching here on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes. If you want to go over and check out Paul's channel, Supercars of London, according to Tony, he needs your views. Uh, And if you're listening, (laughs) make sure to keep listening on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And we will catch up with you all very, very soon. (laughs) Bye-bye. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.